Okay, nurses, have you ever dreamed of advancing your nursing career without having to juggle complex schedules or compromise on the quality of your education? Well, look no further than American College of Education, an accredited fully online college that's made higher education affordable, flexible, and achievable for busy professionals just like you. Choose from tailored programs including RN to MSN, BSN to MSN, or the transformative Doctor of Education degree in nursing education which, by the way, is offered at a total cost of $24,000. And the faculty at ACE are not just academics. They're passionate professionals who've lived the nursing life and bring that experience into the classroom. To learn more, visit ace.edu. Your future patients and healthcare community are waiting for you. Hey, nurses. Welcome to the Nurse Dot Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Today on Nurse Dot Podcast. Even if you can only collect so many courses at a time, do it. Because education is something that no one can ever take away from you. And it's really a transformational process. Yeah, I'm really excited that I can be a part of their journey. And I I like that I can be part of the solution. Joining us today are two pillars of the nursing education community. Dr. Betty Bogdan, nursing department chair, and Kylie Darren, an educator and student of EDD in nursing education at the prestigious American College of Education. Each of them brings a wealth of knowledge from their time as educators at ACE. Whether you are considering a BSN, a master's, or a doctorate, Betty and Kylie share their expert insights on the transformative impact that advanced education can have for your practice, your patients, and the future of healthcare. I'm your host, Kara Lunsford, registered nurse and VP of community at nurse.com. I'm just so excited to have you both here. Yes, we're excited to be here. Okay, let's get this thing started. We have two incredible nursing professionals here with us today, Dr. Betty Bogdan and Kylie Darren. Betty, I'd like to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I took a rather convoluted route to get where I'm at now. I started off as a nursing assistant, a high school dropout, went on to be a nursing assistant got a GED, went to an LPN program I was blessed to get into. Didn't, I passed, right? That's all that matters. And I took my boards, then went into a transition program for an associate degree, community college, and passed that as well. And I was very thankful. And that was way back in the 80s. And I stayed as an associate degree nurse for a really long time. And I think what's important about nursing is that you can have different Pass. So with that degree, and at the time, I did all sorts of things and worked all sorts of different areas, and it was great. If I got stagnant in one area, I'd switch to something else. So PACU, emergency department, you name it, supervision. And I noticed along the way that my colleagues were moving up and doing different roles, and different roles were coming about And with an associate's degree, it really kind of kept me a little bit, Yeah, I wasn't qualified, right? So there was an opportunity when I was in a C-suite and 
one of the people in the meeting said, we have to dummy this down because Bogdan doesn't have even a bachelor's degree. So I just kind of smiled and, and sat there. And even though I got the information, she was right. I didn't have an advanced degree. I didn't even have a bachelor's, a master's. I didn't have anything. But it was at that moment that I decided I was going to return to school. At the time, I was also teaching as guest lecturing in an LPN program. And I always got a kick out of the fact that here I am with an associate degree lecturing these students on cardiac or you know, name a system. And I'm like, ooh, they really deserve a little bit more. You know, why do they want me to do this? But as a practitioner, I was actually pretty good, I like to think. So I did. I returned to school got my bachelor's degree and got bitten by the education bug during that time of wanting more, right? So I continued on, got my master's degree. And once I got the master's, I'm like, I'm going back. I want a terminal degree because I want to continue teaching. And the way of the world is a terminal degree for educators, right? So I started off in a DNP program. And after about a year looking around and I'm like, there are no PhD people here. There's no DNP people here. There's no EDD people here. Pardon me. Actually, they were being taught by PhDs. And, and so I asked the dean, I was like, could I ask you, why are there no educators here that have an EDD or a PhD? She didn't have an answer for it. So at that time, I was talking to a, a person who was in charge of a PhD program down in Mississippi, and she spent a lot of time with me explaining the different degrees, the terminal degrees, what they were for. So at that point, I made the switch to a PhD because I couldn't find an EDD program for me. So I graduated with the PhD. And when I found ACE, I was teaching online with my master's. And I found ACE quite by accident. And it turned out to be quite a unicorn. In the education world, you look at the data, right? How are the students doing? What is the organization like? What is the culture like? So in going down this rabbit hole of online and, and researching ACE, I really found like, wow, I want to be part of this, this whole movement that they're doing. So I came into ACE when we were creating the RN to MSN program, and there were some students already in there. The program, I think it was about nine months we had students in that program. During the interview, they asked me, what are your goals? You know, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing here? And I said, well, I really kind of like the fact that these are online students, that they're busy working adults, because that's my path, right? And some of them, they're just going back for their bachelor's and their master's. And I'm like, that's me. And also, I wanted to start an EDD in nursing ed and administration, because they need people who have the skills for these positions in community colleges, university, wherever. It's the second oldest degree is the EDD. So they let us. And I've never looked back. The students that I have met through this college are so outstanding. And Kylie, we have her on today. I just, I'm going to stop and let <laughs> Kylie take it over because that's enough about me. I want to know more about Kylie and her journey. Sure, sure. That was amazing, by the way. Just let me give a little a little nod to you, Betty, because I think it's really important for the listeners to understand that this is a journey. And you might start as a CNA, you might start as an LVN, you might start as a high school dropout. And that that does not limit you or your ability to get to like where you've achieved, Betty, and then to experience what 
what Kylie's about to tell us and and her introduction and her journey. So I, I just wanted to, you know, take a second to to honor that, to honor that journey. So thank you. Yes, for sure. I teach an LPN program and a lot of them, maybe they did drop out of high school in the past or struggled or, or whatever um, and overcome all those struggles. And like, so yeah, I love that you had that story and that's really, that's amazing. Um, so for me, I also became a CNA first growing up, like why I was even interested in, um, in the medical field to begin with is because growing up as a little girl, we would go to nursing homes and we would like play our instruments and sing for them and just do things like that. Cause my, my family is very musical. And I remember even as a little girl, just like watching all the nurses taking care of the residents. And I was like, this is really cool. Like I really enjoyed it. I loved talking to the residents and I loved just watching the whole atmosphere of the medical field. So that perked my interest. And then as a teenager, as, as my grandfather started getting, um, started having stroke after stroke after stroke, and we were being in the hospital with him, I would see how the nurses again cared for him. And I was like, I really think this is something I want to do. So I became a CNA at 16. No one, no one would hire me until I was like almost 18, working as a CNA, and I loved it. And so I went straight into nursing school graduated and always knew even then, even in my associate's degree program, I was like, I would like to eventually get my master's in something. I don't know what I do know. I want to keep going. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. And so got my associates as I was working, I got my bachelor's and I was going back and forth between nurse practitioner, educator, or a midwife, like literally those three very different things. But I was like, I don't know. I ruled out nurse practitioner and midwife pretty quickly because when I was a nurse on, working on the floor, primarily, I loved having students shadow me. I loved training new people. And I just found it so satisfying. And I loved watching like that light bulb moment happen for them. And I loved being part of that. And so I decided, I was like, you know, what? I think I'm going to go for my master's in education. And so I did. <laughs> and I started teaching at a local college, just adjunct, just teaching a couple of clinicals here and there. And I loved it because I could be thrown into like every, every quarter was different, you know, what, whatever unit was I needed to be in was different. It could be a transplant unit one quarter and then a normal message unit or a cardiac unit. And uh, it was so much fun. And I loved teaching my students and again, having them have that light bulb moment. And so from then I decided like, this is definitely something I want to stay in. And so I started looking around at different doctoral programs because I loved my BSN online program. I loved my master's online program. I was like, I would love to teach in one of these like like a BSN or MSN program one day, maybe. And so I started looking at DNP, PhD, EDD, and I was looking at all these different options and I was like, I don't know what to pick. <laughs> I was just like kind of overwhelmed. And I knew DNP was more focused on practice. And I was like, well, oh, I don't want to do that. So I was trying to decide between PhD and EDD. And I knew that EDD was focused more on, more on education. And I found ACE and I knew it was new and it was affordable and I could get done in about three years or so. And Dr. Bogdan actually like called me and talked to me about it when I was applying and just tell me more about the accreditation about it. I was like, yes, this is definitely something I want to do. I was really excited. And so I think I'm part of the first cohort of the program. And so that was really exciting. And I've just, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I'm still teaching right now at a local nursing college. I teach in an LPN program in the BSN program there. So yeah, I'm just excited to keep going. I have about a year left of the program. So I'll graduate hopefully next December, as long as I don't get behind in any of my like data collection or anything, I'll, I'll graduate next year. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's a huge deal. And also just, again, really going up through that whole journey from CNA, working your way into becoming a licensed nurse and then deciding and recognizing really that 
what you, where your passions lie. Mm -hmm. And this is a question for both of you. I think a lot of nurses, they get through a certain number of years of nursing and maybe they're two, three, five years into nursing and they're either thinking, okay, I think I need to make a move. I either need to move to another department, find another specialty. I'm feeling kind of burned out. I need to make a change. And how many years do you recommend having under your belt in terms of clinical experience prior to thinking, okay, I want to teach other people? Do either of you have an opinion about that? So I can speak to that because I graduated from my associate's degree in 2017. I still consider myself like fairly new-ish. Where I work, they, they require at least two years. And I had just that <laughs> to teach, at least for med research. I had other experience like with, with pediatrics and with OB and stuff like that. But you had to have a minimum of two years to teach that specialty that you're going to teach. And so I had just two years of med surge. And so that's what I taught. And I feel like that was barely enough, honestly, because I would have my students and I still felt like I had so much to learn. And of course, you're never going to know everything as a nurse. You're always going to be learning new things. But I just remember, I felt like I knew enough to get by. And I learned a lot more as I went. You know, of course, every unit was something different. And I learned so much just, again, in that first year of teaching, being exposed to so much that I felt a lot better after just one more year of teaching clinicals. So I feel like two years minimum, <laughs> because again, that was barely enough for me. I feel like three years might have been better, honestly, but two years minimum. And I'd echo what Kylie says. Because there are certain boards, nursing uh, boards, that have recommendations or requirements in order to be credentialed as faculty. Also, there are requirements in different colleges, universities, mm -hmm. schools. So you'd want to be aware of those. The other thing that I would tell people is that I never gave up the clinical aspect of it as a practitioner I'm still current today. My role has changed from acute care to more population focused. So it's more like community, global health, population health. And I still teach those courses as well. So I can't really effectively teach it unless I am actually in it. So for me, it just, it's worked out well to always keep the clinical part and then transitioning into the full-time educator part. And I think as nurses, we do that anyway. A lot of us have a couple of jobs at the same time. So that is one way that I found it to be very helpful and successful in transitioning to you know full-time education. I'm glad you mentioned that because of the friends, colleagues that I have who are educators it is really important for them to stay current and to feel like they spend at least even a few days a month or something like that in the clinical setting or whatever area they're teaching. They want to make sure that they're staying pretty current in that area. So I'm glad that you brought that up because things are always changing. Things are always evolving. It's hard to keep your finger on the pulse because policies and, you know, safe practice and all of it just keeps evolving. And it's important that as educators, we stay attuned to that. So I guess my next question would be what I think is the reason why I'm asking you all of these questions is because when I'm listening to a podcast and when I imagine that the, that the listeners are listening to this podcast, I always imagine that there's a, a variety of people. There's the people who have already decided to 
advance their degree. They're in the middle of school. They're thinking, okay, well, I'm actually in my BSN program. Do I want to continue on to my master's? Do I want to continue on to a, a terminal degree, as, as Betty mentioned earlier? Or I'm just thinking that I want to go back and get my BSN, and that there's those people as well. And some of it, I know that people say like, Oh my gosh, you know, I the amount of money that I'm going to pay for it if I'm going if I'm going from my RN to my BSN, is it going to work out for me in terms of just the return on investment? So tell me about like your decision making in that. When you're taking on, you know you're you're taking on an extra amount of of debt possibly. How did you rationalize that? How did you work through that? Oh, can I'll start, Kylie. If you think about it, when you're working for an organization, they have tuition reimbursement. By not taking advantage of that tuition reimbursement, you're leaving money on the table. So that's part of your salary. Think of it that way. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, even if you can only collect so many courses at a time, do it. Because education is something that no one can ever take away from you. And it's a transformational really a transformational process from the BSN, getting that BSN, a sense of accomplishment, right? And seeing that GPA for a high school dropout to see a GPA of a 3.98 and then a hello 4.0. At first, I thought this is impossible. But thanks to the fact that I had these incredible, not all the faculty were incredible mentors, right? But the vast majority of faculty that I had, I had some reach out to me and it's like, look, I need to teach you how to study because you don't get it, right? And I'm like, thank you. I'm all ears. Tell me how to do this. Now, taking those degrees and taking advantage of the tuition reimbursement, it opens doors. So there may be doors There are doors and there will be more, I should qualify that statement, that are opening all the time that require nursing judgment and the experiences that have led us up to this point. When I was teaching, and I've taught LNAs, I've taught LPNs, ADNs, BSN, EDDs. When I talk to some of these students, right, at all levels, and they say to me, I can't do this. I don't think I'm going to be good in this profession. And I'm, what did you do for work before? A lot of them might have been waitresses. And I'm like, those skills translate. So wherever you have been, those skills that you're learning are going to translate. And let's say there are so many nurses right now that have walked from the profession. They are still licensed, but they're walked and they are doing, they're working for a florist. They're selling cars. They're doing DoorDash to make some money to make ends meet. But the skills they learned as a nurse will translate into maybe case management might be for them, population health. There's so many different areas that you can avail yourself of, but don't leave the money on the table. Take that tuition reimbursement and run with it. Don't leave that money on the table. That That's the mic drop of the hour is like, don't leave that money on the table. And I totally agree with you, Betty, that there are these incredible opportunities to just take those courses, you know, one, two of them, you know, it's like the years are going to go by. And whether at the end of three years or four years, you have an additional degree that does open up additional doors for you. And in the process, you learn more about the opportunities that are available to you as a nurse. And you start to realize, 
I didn't realize that there was this area of nursing or that I could do this with my BSN or that I could do that with my BSN. You know, just doing those courses one at a time, two at a time, you know, I know it's hard because I think a lot of people sit there and think like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm working at the bedside. I'm exhausted. I go home. I have family. I have all these other responsibilities. And I just don't know how I'm going to take on just one more thing. Well, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time, right? And so that's just taking that first step and saying, do I have tuition reimbursement available to me? Yes, I do. Could I look at a certain course? Could I just say, you know what? I think I could take one class, just one. I just take one and you start there and then maybe you'll end up getting bit by the education bug. That was me. I was like, I guess I'm just going to stay in school forever. (laughs) Yeah, just keep going. Hey there, nurses. Are you thinking about finally pursuing that advanced degree in 2024? Whether you're eyeing an RN to MSN, BSN to MSN, or an innovative EDD in nursing education, American College of Education combines quality, affordability, and convenience. It's about time you transform your passion for nursing into leadership and inspire the next generation of healthcare excellence. Don't wait to make a greater impact. Visit ace.edu. Your advanced degree is just a click away. Just keep going. Grant money available, scholarships available. Mm -hmm. And they're a lot different than what were available when I, you know, way back in the late 70s and early 80s. Not everyone requires these huge essays. There may be a grant available. For example, the Indiana Center for Nursing, which we belong, ACE belongs, and I sit also on their board as a member. Those guys are great. They recognize the fact that school is expensive. So there is a scholarship program that eligible students who are within that state. So I'm constantly looking for grants and scholarship opportunities that are available to students. And it's not that hard. You just type into Google and up it pops. So anyone can do that, looking for assistance as far as the the cost goes. And if I remember correctly, I noticed that the EDD that's $24,000, something to that effect. I think it was, was it 24000 Am I right? Yeah. I mean, really a very reasonable amount of money in terms of getting such an advanced And when you look at that, yeah, I'm paying my student loans off. The PhD was very, very expensive. And had there been an EDD in nursing ed administration, I would have gone that route. But my student loans right now, as they sit, there's still $79,000 sitting there that I'm paying back. So- I know, but I signed the loan, so I'm paying it off, (laughs) you know. But you know what? It's It was worth it. Okay, so how is getting your EDD part of the solution to what we see as kind of this mounting nursing crisis, this staffing crisis? I always love to connect the dots. I like to go back and kind of work backwards and deconstruct a problem. And right now we know that there are not enough nurses to provide safe care in the United States. This is probably a global problem, but we'll talk about the U.S. for the sake of this podcast, that there's not really enough nurses 
to provide safe care. And there's a variety of reasons around that. It's not just that there's not enough nurses. There's also nurses that are not willing to work in current conditions and things like that. And that's not for the sake of this podcast, but there is another problem. And part of that problem is that there's just not enough students that are able to graduate. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough educators to educate those students to get them graduated, to get them into the profession. Part of why I think we can be part of the solution, that nurses can be part of the solution, and part of that is going back and getting this EDD. What do you both think about this, like as as a solution to helping with the nursing crisis, I guess? I can start, Kylie, but I want to hear your thoughts too. Okay. One of the things that was told to me when I graduated with my terminal degree was, you know, I, I kind of felt like an imposter. And remember the woman who actually helped me get into the program. She looked at me and she said, you're going to know when you're going to introduce yourself as doctor. I'm like, okay, when's that going to hit? Well, we have all these problems in healthcare right now. We as nurses, we're all very smart people. We have those critical thinking skills, logical thinking skills. We know where those problems lie in healthcare. In order to get a seat at the table, you have to have street cred. So that street cred becomes, we get that street cred by having those degrees, a BSN, you're an expert, an MSN, I'm an expert in nursing, an EDD, I'm an expert in nursing. I can help you, right? You can reach out to your senators, your congresspeople, and you can say, I'm a nurse. I also have an EDD in nursing ed and administration. If you have questions, please, I'm your go-to person. So it really gives you that ability to get the seat at the table. We cannot stop until we have seats at the table. Because if we're going to affect change, who better to affect change than the nurses who are actually working in the profession? Yes. And I, I, so I teach in the BSN program, I teach healthcare policy and finance. We talk about all the time. I'm like, you guys are going to see things you're not happy about. And how are you going to change it if you don't say anything, if you don't get involved, if you don't call any senators or anything and say your opinion, you know, and your experience that you've had, nothing's going to change. And so I've encouraged a lot of my students who seem more passionate about it than others. I was like, you should go for your master's or you should go for it. You just keep going. And I had a student even have a senator ask her because they had a project where they had to advocate for a bill where that senator actually asked her to come and speak to everybody about this issue that she was passionate about. And so she got like that little bug, you know, I was like, yeah, girl, I was like, go, go for it. Like you keep going, get your master's and get involved in this. That's definitely like getting your EDD and getting your master's definitely gives you more of a say. But then, yes, as you mentioned, it helps with that shortage because where I work right now, there's not enough clinical instructors. They have to cancel that clinical. And those students don't get that experience or they have to do something online and they miss out on direct patient care. Or they might have to like completely just cancel that clinical rotation and like have less students in the cohort, you know, coming up. And it just makes less nurses who can graduate. I, I like that I can be part of the solution. But yeah, I'm really excited that I can be part of their journey and everything. So I love that I'm going for my doctorate so I can do that. Isn't that the best mm-hmm. though? I love it when students, I have a lot of students that will contact me in the beginning before, like Kylie, you know, they're still making decisions on on where to go to school, but then we stay in touch throughout the whole mm-hmm. process and after graduation, and then they reach back out and it's like, you are the best. 
You know, <laughs> you're out there, you're making change. And then they will tell me, oh my gosh, I had this cohort of students and you wouldn't believe the light bulb went on and it was like so rewarding. So that you're giving as educators and then they're giving and it's like your legacy as an educator is never going to go away because it's just going to keep being passed down to more and more graduates or more and more students. And ultimately the patients win. I love when the title of the episode comes out in the actual episode itself, where be part of the solution. And currently, what I feel nurses are constantly talking about is how kind of disempowered they feel. They feel like life is happening to them. Their profession is happening to them. They are at the bedside and they don't have control over the lack of staffing. They don't have control over the quality of care that's provided, Mm -hmm. or at least that's how they feel because there's just not enough time. There's not enough resources. And the only way that we change that is to what both of you are saying is that you bring that seat to the table, you demand your space. And the way you do that is to feel like you are entitled to that space. And I think a lot of that is is to what both of you are saying is that when you have the letters behind your name, when you can say, I have my ADD, I have my PhD, or I have my master's, it commands a certain level of respect from whoever's listening to you. Because imposter syndrome is real. You know, people feel like, they feel like, well, why are they going to listen to me? I think that if you've only maybe got like five years of nursing experience under your belt, but you have your master's degree, that is a really nice combination of, I've been in the field for five years and I've made sure that I went back to school, I got my master's. And so therefore I'm sitting in front of you today to tell you about the problems that I'm experiencing and how I think that we should be solving those problems. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's about empowerment and getting those people to feel like they can bring that seat to the table. I love Leslie Mancuso. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's the president of Japigo, and it's a John Hopkins nonprofit. And she always says, I'm a nurse first, but she has her PhD. And she she says, like, look, it's your responsibility to pick up that seat to bring the chair. Like, if they're not going to give you a seat at the table, you go and you get a chair and you bring that chair to the table. <laughs> But part of that is feeling like you deserve to be there. And I think education is a big part of that. So something I thought of is that going through like nursing school, you have to be resilient. You have to be resilient to be a nurse <laughs> because it's hard. I feel like no matter how perfect nursing you know, is, if you have the perfect ratio, it's still going to be hard. You know what I mean? Like you have to take care of patients and it's going to be challenging. You have to build that resilience and getting your bachelor's, master's, doctorate. Like I have become more and more resilient. So that's another benefit because now if I face a challenge, like whenever I was teaching a clinical and I would face a challenge, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, you know what? I've got my master's degree. I'm looking at doctoral programs. Like I'm a mom. If I can do all that, I can figure out this problem. And it's like, it gave me confidence. It helped me build that resilience. And even now getting my doctorate, I faced many challenges that made me like, oh, do I want to keep going? And I'm like, yes, 
I'm going to keep going. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to finish this because I, I've built up that resilience. And so I feel like nurses that I know who really struggle, I always encourage them. It's like, I think it would help if you do go back and get your bachelor's and accomplish that because that would give you more confidence and more resilience. And of course, it gives you more of a seat at the table. And those all of those things just kind of compound and just help so much. Oh, I love what you just said. It is so true. It is that whole transformational process through education. It's like the little engine that could with mm -hmm. each step of the way. It's like, I got this. And I think one of the biggest motivators for me in my journey was being told, you can't do this. Uh-huh. Sit back. Watch me. Right. <laughs> and that whole process, the additional courses, like some people will say, why do I have to take these gen eds to get my bachelor's degree? Well, part of that is understanding. So you can look through the lens of another person, right? You've got a wider view of the whole world. It's a beautiful thing. So then you can see how things operate and you can be part of the solution by having or bringing your own seat to the table and really affect change. It's really, really cool. And Kara, you asked a question about, you know, what's needed in, in completing the EDD program and part of what you're taught, and I don't care what doctoral program or what program it is, is that having the resilience, as Kylie said, to be able to, okay, I'm going to take a step back, take a deep breath. Now, how do I proceed? How do I navigate? Can't go left, can't go right. I got to go straight ahead. And then part of that process when in the EDD program is patience and mm -hmm. learning that patience, learning the process and being able to go back and say, I'm not going to change the world with this dissertation here, but I'm going to affect some change. So it is, it's a growth. It's a transformational. It's just beautiful. I think this kind of goes back to what Kylie was saying is that, you know, when you are brave and you take on these unknowns and you you overcome obstacles. You only grow and get stronger as a person when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I would say that very little growth happens when it's 72 degrees and sunny. <laughs> yeah. It's the time where you get to relax a little bit. You get to maybe be grateful and sit back and enjoy your life a little, and that's good. Those are those are good moments to have, but you don't experience gratitude. You don't experience and really appreciate those moments if you haven't had times of struggle, times where you've had to overcome obstacles, times where you are experiencing discomfort. Sometimes I think about it as labor. So what happens when you're being birthed, right? There's these times where the uterus is contracting down on you. It's helping to move you forward. It's helping to move you through that birth canal. And then there's times when the uterus releases and it's not contracting and the blood flow is coming back and, the, you know, and it's this kind of tourniquet effect. Life is like that. And we have to look for times and experiences and ways to push ourselves through this different birth canal, right? To birth ourselves into a different part of our lives. This is me being super esoteric, <laughs> but that's kind of how I am. But I've experienced that myself. I've put myself into a variety of very uncomfortable situations but it's what's gotten me to where I am today. It's what got me into selling my company and being acquired by nurse.com and then becoming the VP of community and working in a, in a marketing department. I never, if you would have asked me 17 years ago when I became a nurse, if I 
was going to do any of those things, if I was going to be the VP of community in a marketing department for a huge organization like Relias, there's no way I could have possibly have known that. But the only way I did that was through putting myself through uncomfortable situations. And so I think that that is what we are encouraging you all to do here today in this in this episode is we're really trying to encourage you to be brave and take on that and say, you know what? I'm not going to put this off any longer. I've been putting it off for years. I've said I'm not going to do it or I've said I'm going to do it and say, you know what? This year in 2024... <laughs> This is my year. Yeah. And just go for, I feel like just starting, just making that first step, just looking, just applying can get things really moving. Like that was me with, with, with my doctorate. I was just like, I'm just going to look around. I'm just going to apply. And just and, and that really, because of that, here I am and I'm almost done. And I'm so happy I just went for it and did it. Like, I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? You know? <laughs> and even though you might face challenges during it, like I just had a daughter almost a month ago and you know, that pregnancy was rough. We had some obstacles even after she was born. I'm like, I'm just going to keep, I have to keep going though. Because if I don't, I'm going to look back and regret that I didn't keep going. Even if you have to slow down or whatever you got to do, you're not going to regret getting your bachelor's or furthering your education. You'll be happy that you just got it done. Yep. Because I know that's definitely how I feel. I'm very glad that I kept going. Are either of you familiar with the book, Take the Leap? No. I think it's a New York Times bestseller, but it's uh, the author is Sarah Bliss. And we're actually going to have her on probably in the fourth season. We're going to have Sarah come on and and talk about Take the Leap. And that really is about, specifically in, in that book, they're kind of talking about, she's talking about taking a leap from one profession into another, but really it's about bravery. It's really about being willing to explore the unknown, do something different, change your life. I really love the messages in that book. So if anyone's interested, they should definitely take a look at it and read it because I think it's got some really good points in there and and can be very empowering around moving out of one comfort area and moving into an area that there's a lot of unknowns. And especially when there's a financial investment in it or they feel like there's a financial investment, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this is going to entail. I'm going to have to put money behind it. It's not like I can just do it for free and go, oh, I don't like this. But I'll also say when you're pot committed, and I'm a poker player, so I like to use poker analogies. When you're pot committed, meaning you've got money invested, you've got money there in the pot, you're more likely to see it through because you're invested in some If somebody just gives it to you, if somebody just came Mm -hmm. along and said, I'm going to pay for you to go to school for the next three years, and at the end of it, you're going to have your master's degree or something like that, you're probably not going to take it as seriously as when you invest in yourself. Yeah, very, very true. And for me, I feel like I do have some tuition reimbursement, but the rest I'm paying for. And I'm like, I definitely can't quit because <laughs> like I already spent this much and I had this much left and I'm like, I can't quit when I'm so close to being done. And so, yeah, I feel like if you personally invest into your education, it is a huge motivator because you don't want to waste that time and that money that you've already put in. Totally agree. Do either of you have any final words of motivation or encouragement, anything that you feel you'd like to just leave the listeners with in terms of like taking that next step? Hmm. Great question there, Kara. I would say that the listeners should really understand 
that the power is in their hands, right, to affect change. And as you mentioned, take the leap. I'm going to be reading that book, by the way. What's the worst that can happen? Kylie said that, and it's very, very true. The worst that can happen is you're going to have to get up and walk out, or this isn't for me. But I think that you'll find that it is for you, and you've got a lot to offer the profession to the other people in the profession. We need your voice. Yeah. And I'd say, I saw this quote, I might even say it wrong. I don't know. I don't know who it's by, but if something doesn't scare you, it's probably, or if it does scare you, that's good. Like you need to try it. Like you can't grow unless it scares you a little bit. And that's kind of how I'm looking at things. Like if I see a little door opening and I'm like, that's a little scary to jump through that door and go for that opportunity. I'm like, but that's good that it scares me. So I didn't think it to this point where I'm just going for it. And my husband's good about like being that voice. I was like, okay, well, let's step back and think about this for a minute. You're being a little spontaneous and applying for this degree or, or looking at this job or whatever. And I'm like, but why not? Why not go for it? Again, like I said, what's the worst that can happen if, if I get told no, if I apply and, and get accepted inside, this isn't for me, fine. But what's the harm in applying and, and just looking into it? So just at least try to make that first step. I think this was just a beautifully crafted episode. The two of you brought so much to this. And, and I think that everyone who listens to it will feel that sense of inspiration and that they will realize that, you know, this is this can be for me. And I can be a Kylie. I can be a Betty. This can be my life five years from now. This can be my life three years from now, depending on what channel they're choosing. I just wanted to say how grateful I am to have you both here. The more I've learned about American College of Education, I really, when I go back to school, that's probably where I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I've just really enjoyed talking to everyone over at American College of Education and, and ACE, also known as ACE. And I appreciate the work that you're doing to really usher in this next generation of educators and advanced practice nurses, because it's it really is a service to the public. So thank you for that. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been a great time. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you both. Bye. Bye. If you are a nurse or nursing student who enjoyed this episode, don't forget to join us on the Nurse.com app, where you can find the Nurse.discussion group, a place where we dissect each episode in detail and delve deeper into today's topics. Nurse Dot is a Nurse.com original podcast series. Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse Dot Podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.